everybody and welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. Uh, I'm Heinz Winkler and it's that time of the day on a Tuesday that we get to chat to someone amazing. Love Unlocks is all about talking to amazing people about how God's love has unlocked their lives and how He keeps unlocking other people's lives through their lives or ministries or work or whatever they do. And it's brought to you by our ministry called Love Key, where we believe that healthy families build a healthy nation. And we want to minister wholeness to families and unity to the body of Christ. That's our heart. That's our passion. And uh, these conversations are all about getting to that point. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for being part of this. If you are uh, online right now, please let us know where you are uh, dialing in from, listening from. Uh, please comment with your city or your country. Uh, and we would love to know how you're doing today. And uh, while we're chatting, if you have any questions or feedback, please post that. Uh, we, I can see all of it. And uh, if you've got something cool to say, I will share it on the screen as well. Uh, yeah, I want to just quickly tell you guys some good news. My wife and I are have finished our first Let's Talk Marriage Seminar and we are starting a new one on the 1st of October and you'll see a link down in the description of this post where you can go to get that uh, and then also I'm releasing a new song called Our Nation Belongs to God pretty soon we're going to aim to get it out by Heritage Day 24 September and uh, we've we've just shot the, the music video the performance part of the music video but we want you to be a part of it as well uh, by uh, recording yourself singing along to this chorus and you can click on the link for that as well in this post and get the song the lyrics and all the instructions we would love for you to be a part of making this declaration over our nation so please go ahead and do that and uh, we are also still raising funds for the new album and you can go to heinzwinkler.com forward slash new album to be a part of that to all of the, those of you who are already sponsoring helping partnering with our uh, ministry lovekey thank you so much if you are enjoying this if you are loving this if you want to be a part of this you can go to our website lovekeymission.com slash partner and be a part of that as well all right, that's enough of all that stuff. We have a really cool uh, lady joining us today from halfway around the world, uh, down under uh, Australia. She, uh, she's a very good friend of my wife. They are colleagues in the same industry. Um, she is an image consultant. She is a speaker. She is a coach uh, of amazing people she used to be a prosecutor guys imagine that and uh, she's a life coach and a mother to four beautiful children she's married to dan i'm going to give you a sneak preview of our guest today she's an amazing lady uh, making a big difference in people's lives please welcome all the way from brisbane australia emma woman yay <laughs> how are you emma <laughs> Yeah, I'm great, thank you. It's uh, it's in the evening here, so all those gorgeous little faces are looking really gorgeous asleep Wonderful. in their bed. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, they're really great to look at when they're lying still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aren't they? Uh, oh, why don't we have another one? And then you're like, oh, that's right, <laughs> really hard work. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, we've got someone from, uh, oh, Hanley from all the way from Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, she's a regular, actually. She's been on the show quite a few times. Uh, Elmarie from Brackenfell, Yolanda from Durban. 
Uh, Karen from Port Elizabeth. Uh, Chrisanda, hello. She's uh, basically a neighbor of ours. Uh, Anya from Vintuk, Namibia. People from all over the place saying hi and tuning in. Thank you so much, guys. It's so great to have you. Emma, what a privilege. Thank you so much for making time to chat to me today. I really appreciate it. I know that you're a busy lady. You're running uh, your business. You've got all these things happening. You've got a busy house. Uh, so thank you very much for making time for us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, so I would love for our listeners and our people watching to, to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, and quite frankly, for me as well. Uh, I know what my wife has told me, but you know we've never really had like a proper conversation ourselves. So, so here we go. Um, I love to know about people's uh, relationships, the most important ones. So please tell us, uh, you are married to Dan, uh, I'm sure people call him Dan the man. I, I would just have to, you know, they, assume that. They absolutely, do. they absolutely do. And it's really funny. He gets it wherever he goes. But he is. He's really the man. Cool. The man in your life and he's the man of your, your kids. <laughs> uh, this, this is, there's a pic of you guys. Uh, he looks like a really gentle, giant kind of guy. Uh, I would love to meet him one day. But please tell us, how long have you guys been married? Yeah, uh, we've been married nearly 12 years, Whoa. so we've been pretty busy with four kids. I can and, imagine. Um, I like to, yeah, I like to say we're on our second marriage, but just with the same person. So, you know, our marriage has been through so many um, changes and so much growth. It feels like we're two new people wow. married to one another, but it's good. So good. Okay, awesome. And... Uh, when you when did you guys you, you, you said your second marriage so i'm assuming there was a, a big change that happened along the way but from when you guys met till when you till when dan popped the question or i don't know did you pop the question uh how long was that from getting to know each other to to getting serious yes uh, i think it was just under seven months um wow we were yeah we were both um at that age where we weren't wanting to muck around and I'm pretty sure within about three weeks of dating, we had had like a bunch of serious talks and he took me to the northernmost tip of Australia on a trip and I helped muster cattle on a massive cattle station with him and his um, cousins. Oh, and wow. And he took me to the tip of Australia and proposed to me there. And, and his grandfather likes to joke that, you know, if I had said no, he wouldn't have taken me home. But uh, <laughs> I was really happy. Yeah. Is that, is that like a family cattle ranch that he has or what? Yeah, oh, cool. his, his, cousin, his cousin owns a 350,000 hectare um, cattle station and I busted him, yeah. That's amazing. That's big business yeah. in Australia. Yeah, it's just big country. There's, yeah. They don't even fence their properties. They fence them from the inside, yeah, and Sheesh. then they slowly fence them out, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I know movies don't always tell the whole story, but my, one of my references about Australia and cattle is that movie Australia with, uh, yeah. with two amazing, talented Australians. Is that kind of like that vast space with the cattle and the, that's the vibe? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's rough country out there. Amazing. All right. Mm. Uh, so... Back to your husband. What what is the first word that comes to mind when you think of Dan? Uh, steady. Okay, and why? 
he's just a rock. He's absolutely um, such a rock in our family and for me. And he just has this real uh, feeling when you're around him of just calm and and steadiness. Like if anyone's ever upset or out of sorts, he just oozes that, you know, warmth and nurture and just you just feel like, all right, I can calm around him. That's amazing. And I'd love to know more about your kids. You've got four. We recently became parents of four. Uh, It's it's quite a it's quite a handful. Uh, (laughs) So, oh my word! Please tell us a bit more. I want to hear the names and then also like the first word that comes uh, to your mind about each of one of them. Okay, so we have three boys and a girl. So our eldest is Oscar. He's the one with the big smiley face next to me. And he <laughs> likes information. He just loves information. He is a reader. He knows about military history. Um, he just loves reading and learning. And um, Sorry, how, how old is he now? He's just about to turn 10 next week. Well, him and my oldest will get along because my oldest also loves reading about history. So that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw a video of your eldest son who was talking about um, commanders. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Military commanders. So I thought, yeah, they'll definitely get along. Yeah. Yeah. And the next son is Napier. He's uh, seven and a half and he's the one on my husband's lap. Napier is a people person. He he can read a room and he can like um, sense people's needs and he always is looking for people that he can help and that he can really come alongside with and include. He loves including people and making sure everybody feels like they're part of it. That's amazing. That's, that's quite a quality to have at such a young age. Wow. Very special. Yes, he is, yes. And then there's Ali, the, the really crazy one down there on, on the left. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like a miniature Dan and he's got this big head and a big body. He's only six. He just went into prep this year and and he's huge. Like he takes as big a size clothes as his um, next brother. But that's Ali and he is just – he can be either really rough and tumble or super, super physically affectionate. He loves cuddles and um, just wants to be on you all okay, the time. Okay, okay. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah. and, and then you've and, got a little lady. Yeah, she's amazing. That's Eden. And um, and I'm not joking when I say that she's kind of obsessed with me. She <laughs> comes into my room at night. I think I just heard her. And she's like, I need something of yours to smell you so Aww. I can get to yeah, she's beautiful and she picks out my clothes and she loves everything to do with colors and style and she just knows her own mind. Oh, she wow. really does remind me of a little me. Yeah. So, so Sorry, so she styles the stylist. Did I hear you right? <laughs> she made me wear this necklace. She said, yeah, mom, this will be good tonight. You need tonight. that. You need the bling. That's amazing. <laughs> I remember when uh, when our third our third boy Ruben was was quite young. I think he was three or something. Um, Aleta was putting on an outfit, and she was about to put on a belt around her waist, and he just started going wah nah, <laughs> and then she would take it off, and he would smile, and then she would put it back, and he would make a noise, and then she didn't wear it, and I was like, your three year old just styled you for the day. That sounds familiar. <laughs> Everybody in the family of a stylist gets inadvertently styled whether they like it or not. They just absorb it. It just has to happen, apparently. Oh, my greatness. Wow. 
All right, so you've got a big family. You guys are busy. You, you're a speaker. You go all over the place talking. Um, and I'm sure that somewhere along the way, either publicly or internally, you've had maybe a few embarrassing moments. We, we would love to hear one of those stories, please. <laughs> oh, there's too many. Actually, the one that I'll tell you is I, I speak Spanish. So wow. one of my first, um, I studied it at university and one of my first jobs out of uni was working with Spanish speaking people in America, um, people on death row. Uh, and so I was using my Spanish and Sorry, I, is that um, as a prosecutor? Or? No, so I started out on defense. Oh, wow. Okay. Then, right. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah, and so I was speaking um, with one of my clients, and my Spanish was pretty good at the time, but, you know, there were still some words that I was, um, you know, spanglishing, where you sort of go, <laughs> English word and then put le in front of it, yeah. or L, and, um, and I just used the word um, embarrassado, which I thought was embarrassed, right? It turns out that it's pregnant. And so I was telling this client of mine that I was really pregnant and um, so literally that was one of my embarrassados. Oh, yeah. Wow. You like, well, like, with the word embarrassed, you had an embarrassing moment. That is crazy. I love that. Yeah. That's so yeah, funny. No. And how's yeah, the Spanish so doing? Sorry, you go. <laughs> I was just saying there's so many opportunities for embarrassing moments with language barriers. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard some good ones. I, I A while ago, I had a pastor on the show uh, talking about when he, he's from Joburg and he went to Hawaii and just his pronunciation of words got him into trouble. <laughs> so it's very similar. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, man, that's yeah. a good one. Um, all right. So how did you make or sorry, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey from being in law and then making your your big shift into what you're doing now. Yeah, it's funny. People always look at me and they're like, really? Like you you went from law to image consulting? That seems like yeah. I've even had people say, you know, you've taken a step backwards or things like that. But mm. what I would say, is I, I have always had a huge advocate heart. So I've always got fired up about injustice or people being treated unfairly. And I really wanted to, to save the world when I started out as a lawyer. And and then I started to get um, a little bit, I don't know, miffed with the system. You find that you can't make as much change as you think you can. And, yeah. you know, even if you win a case or even if you're doing really good work, it seems like the system of law doesn't always give you the outcome that you would hope for. Yeah. And I realized that there were people who, um, because I also worked in, in um, civil law before I went into criminal prosecution, but you were arguing cases and sometimes people would win the case, but they would really just walk away dissatisfied. And it was because they had some limitation in themselves that they couldn't, you know, get over it and they couldn't thrive. And I started to realize that there was so much more power in advocating for people's belief systems and for the way that they see themselves in the world. And, and to be honest, I've had so much more success in creating, um, you know, social change and, you know, creating justice for people who on a one-on-one -on -one basis or by speaking truth to them in this capacity. And you wouldn't think so, but it, it, you just have so much more access and you get to speak really deeply. You're not limited by protocols and laws and, and, you know, being in the courtroom and whatnot. So I found it, it it's a lot more free to actually do good work. Yeah. 
makes sense. All right. So you feel like, but but what made you decide this is I can't do what I've dreamt of doing in this field, and what made you decide on on the field you did choose? Because I mean, there's different ways of helping people the way you have. So w- what kind of I mean, I, yeah, I'm just curious how you made that specific decision to image consulting and styling and coaching. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I'd have to go a bit further back for that. Um, this is the um, the bomb drop that um, I actually grew up in a religious cult. So I was born into um, my family were part of a super um, legalistic Bible-based cult and I didn't know any different. I, I literally was born into it and was part of it for the first, say, 14 years of my life. And so, you know, going into the law, law was very natural for me in that I knew all about legalism, right? Wow. Um, I, That's interesting. I really, okay. Yeah. yeah. And and so after I um, got pregnant with our first son, Oscar, I um, took maternity leave from my job, fully intending to go back. I really enjoyed the law, um, even though it had its, you know, its struggles and, you know, just the environment was very, you know, dog eat dog. But I went on maternity leave and and then I realized that I couldn't do the hours I was doing. I couldn't travel like I was traveling. And something inside of me went into like nurture mode Mm. and I started to struggle with my own identity. I was like, all right, I'm not. I'm not known anymore for my career. I'm, I don't have the same appearance. I don't um, recognize my even my day-to-day schedule. Everything had changed. And I would say I went through an identity crisis. Yeah. And I started to question my self-worth. And I was like, who even am I? You know, if I'd based myself on being clever and articulate and successful, I no longer had that. I literally lost my words with baby brain and I couldn't speak really clearly. And <laughs> And then I got pregnant with my second son, Napier, and I experienced um, some of the worst postnatal anxiety um, ever. So went through a lot of mental health issues. And I would say I had something similar to a breakdown where I just dropped my bundle. Wow. Like I couldn't keep, you know, doing what I was doing. And everything that I thought, you know, with the legalism and with that performance mentality of, you are who you are as long as you can be successful and perform and do well. Nothing was really, you know, supporting that in my life. And I, I had to go back to square one and say, who even am I? Is this life that I have built supporting um, healthiness? Um, is my marriage, you know, is the, the way that we relate to each other and, and even the division of what we who does what in the, in the home, is, is that supporting health? How is that all working? And really just went back to square one and we just started rebuilding. And it was in that process that I realized that I really enjoyed coming alongside women and helping them. I didn't even know that being an image consultant was a career. I was just helping out friends. Okay. And then I met a, a real image consultant. And I was like, wow, this is this could really be something. I could see that women were struggling with their identity. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and when you were going through that sort of, identity like you're calling it identity crisis all that it sounds like a lot of heavy stuff that happened over a period of time um where was where was dan in all of this was he seeing seeing it happen and kind of going what's wrong with you or did he recognize it and went along on the journey with you if i can put it that way Uh, yeah not to start with to start with he sort of he didn't understand what was going on in me. And I think it's because, you know, I, I say that the word that comes to mind with him is stable, but 
he was steady in that he never really questioned the deep stuff. He was very like, just get on with it, just do the next thing. And so he didn't have a great emotional depth and vocabulary to really meet me where I was at. And mm. I would, he'd never seen like that you know it, you go from coming home from work and seeing your wife just vacant and just sitting there and just in the depths of anxiety and depression sure. he had no tools to deal with it and I sort of had to say to him hey I, I need your help wow. <laughs> I need you to me in this yeah. and that's why I it totally rebuilt our marriage because he learned to empathize in a really different way he learned to support me um, I was so capable and independent before that like I would do everything in the home and with the kids and he had to start you know really coming alongside me and sharing that load to support me and wow. we started we, we changed some of the decisions we made like we used to travel quite a ways to get to church and it was just really taxing with two little kids and mm. we started to make that were for the health of our family and just to be really intentional so nothing was by accident anymore we were like all right let's boil it right down to first principles what do we need to thrive what does a healthy life family and marriage look like and and it didn't look like you know pleasing people it didn't look like you know jumping through all the hoops that I, I thought I had to jump through as a Christian like we mm. were on every roster and we were you know had the two kids and one of us is singing and one of us is you know out helping him <laughs> yeah it was just a recipe for burnt. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still on the journey today, to be honest. Like we've been through a lot of counseling. Um, we have been on a really big healing journey. And, you know, our, our intimacy and our connection is so different than it ever. I had no idea that that was even possible sure. to, to connect with someone like that. It's just been a blessing, actually. That's amazing. I'm going to ask you a bit more about that just now. Um, but... Just uh, as as a where you are now after all this amazing stuff that you've been through and all the not I can hear there's a lot of experience a lot of knowledge uh, from all those knocks and having to go through it. Um, what would you say is your big life dream that you still want to achieve in this uh, next season of your life or the season you're in now? Yeah, yeah, no, I just really want to um, spread the message and actually go in and pull men and women, but primarily women, out of um, false identity into the truth of their God-given identity, and I want to connect them with their purpose. And so I feel like that, that mission has two fronts to it. I don't see any divide between sacred and secular, like whether I'm with somebody in the marketplace or whether I'm in a church, mm. it's no difference to me. I see it all as, as um, kingdom work. And so I, I want to, in the church, I want to be able to um, speak life and truth to people to show them that, yes, spirituality is, is the core of who we are, but we also need to understand our soul. We need to know our heart. We need to know our mind. We need to thrive in those areas. And we need to be able to receive love on a soul level and, and a physical level as, as well as just the spiritual idea of being loved. And when we receive like that, we can give it to other people. And then in the marketplace, I love going into secular environments. And, you know, I've, I've spoken at um, different festivals and things where there have been ten or 20,000 people. And yeah. they, they've stood me completely for um, just to speak about things like, you know, style and sustainability. And I'm just in out there and I'm like just tearing down strongholds and lies over people's identities. And I'm like, you are not, you know. <laughs> 
your appearance. You are not. You are so much more. And just speaking life to people wow. in that respect as well. And just the lies around, particularly for women, the lies around beauty mm. and the lies around our self-worth and our appearance. Um, you know, like people struggle with that in and outside of the church. We just have a different way of dealing with it. Like in the church, sometimes we struggle with dealing with it because we think it's vanity, right? So we don't yeah. tackle it head on. In the world, people are fully um, okay with going and getting all the procedures and doing all the um, things to try and make themselves feel better, but it's surface, so they're never dealing with their heart. And that's where I like to marry the two up and show them that you've got to deal with your belief system, you've got to deal with your thoughts, you've got to deal with the feelings every day. It's not just about putting on some nice colored lipstick and a nice outfit and you'll be fine. So, yeah. So good. I can see why why you and my wife connect because she's got the same heart. She really believes that as well. That's so good. You mentioned something interesting. You said that um, one of the things you find is people struggle to receive love. Uh, and I, I totally agree with that. But I'd like to know what you have found or believe is the biggest uh, thing that's that's causing that to happen. What is the biggest thing keeping people from receiving love? Yeah, I would say um, that, you know, the, the golden rule of um, love your neighbor as you love yourself and love the Lord your God, like you can't love other people if you don't love yourself. Yeah. And I think it's been a slight distortion of of the word and it's come through like, you know, you need to die to yourself, which mm. means don't have needs, don't look after yourself. You know, it's selfish to love yourself. I have been accused before of being hedonistic or being, um, there's another word, um, but I, I have had accusations like that. Like you're really like speaking about things that are just really narcissism. And I'm like, no, you you need to receive love. You need to love yourself so that you can love others. Yeah. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're pretending. And I have had enough pretending, enough performance sure. to last me a lifetime. So I really feel like dying to yourself is actually more to do with dying to your ego yeah. and dying to the false narratives that we have about who we are. Yes. And to do that, we really need to delve into self-knowledge. So, you know, I think it was Calvin who said, you know, knowledge of God and knowledge of self are so intertwined that um, you can't really do one without the other. And if people think that knowing yourself is selfish, then they're never going to really find the false narratives um, of, of these ideas of they, who they think they are in order to allow that to die so their true self can emerge and receive the fullness of God's love and then share that. That's amazing. I think in a similar way that that we can look at a beautiful sunset or a beautiful seen in nature and praise God for that, we must be able to look at ourselves and others and go, you're also a creation. You're actually, we're the pinnacle of his creation. So we need to be able to just on that level go, this is amazing. And also realize at the same time, when we knock ourselves and other people, we're actually knocking his creation. And and oh, that for me yeah. has really turned my my head around. And, and uh, it's amazing. I, I once had a conversation with someone who, it was a really awkward conversation and this whole thing came up because the person told me that, you know, he hates himself, but he calls himself a, a Christian. So I, so I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, ask him what's the two most important commandments, exactly yeah. what you said now. And when he got to that last part, he would just kind of ramble through it, like love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, what's that last part? Love your neighbor <laughs> as yourself. And then he had this face like, <laughs> 
<gasps> and they're like, yeah, you just said you hate yourself. So how can you love your neighbor? And, he and we both kind of had this moment, you know, and it's, oh, that's such a yeah. big one. That's such a big one for us to all realize, I think. So, so good. When you receive that, that fullness of God's love, you see your identity through his eyes. So instead of basing your identity on temporary things like, you know, oh, I'm a really good long distance runner or I am a criminal prosecutor or whatever these, these sort of like peripheral things about our identity, when you, when you realize that we have um, Imago Day and that our identity is actually a unique facet of God's um, nature, then all of a sudden, if you remember who you are, you will come back to that place where this is how God sees me. It changes your behavior, mm. right? I think most people who are drifting or who are struggling in life, that it's because they forget who they are in God's eyes. And it's, you know, even um, Jesus said to the woman who was caught in um, adultery, right? I don't mm. know where the man was, but the, the woman was there. Um, but he said to her, you know, um, do you see anyone around to accuse you? And she said, no. And he said, um, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And I always thought, because of my background, I thought go and sin no more means go white knuckle it, be a better person, have more self-control, try harder. But I believe what Jesus was actually saying then was let me show you how heaven sees you. Mm. You are blameless. You are sinless. You are white. And when you see yourself through that lens, that is what equips you to go and sin no more, to go and live that life um, of power and purpose. Yeah, that's so true. We, we, we can't actually live up to, to the holiness of God without His Spirit helping us, guiding us, leading us, and having that. So to, to get to the next question, I think it actually leads up quite well. What, what happened in your life? Being, like you said, you were born in a cult. It must have been quite hectic. Uh, from that to to being finding your freedom in Jesus and what it really is about. In other words, please tell us your your conversion story. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was amazing because, like I said, I, I grew up in the church. So I'm nearly 40 years old. So I've been around churches for nearly four decades. I only got I only got introduced to Jesus just before my twentieth birthday, and it was a shock to me. I was like, "Who is this?" G like I'd heard the name Jesus, but I didn't understand. Like, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Like, I was like, "Who is this?" Right? Sure. And even then, I I got baptized at nineteen, but I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit as far as I was aware until about eight years ago, mm. and so I still struggling my way through things, like really just trying to do it in my own strength. And I remember the moment when I got filled and I was standing there worshiping and it just, I had my hands out and I just, it just occurred to me that no matter what anyone thought of me, no matter what anyone said, I could say anything about any of my experiences in life. And I have had like huge wilderness years. Like I had done all sorts of crazy things, but I could say any of that testimony and no one could take God's love away from me. And it, it changed the way I was. I was like, I'm unstoppable, like, because God is in me. Yeah. And it was it was huge. It really changed everything about me. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I can actually relate to a big part of that where, where you you want to do the right thing. You know what from what people have told you what's right and wrong, but you, you're doing it from a place of, of like you said, performance. Um, can you maybe elaborate on the sort of switch that went off 
in your yeah. spirit that made you realize I don't need to perform. I just need to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but receive yeah. his love and love him back. Yeah. yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it was around that time. So I was, um, my second son was um, little and I was sitting in a church and I was just healing from my brokenness. And that was when I was struggling with the postnatal anxiety. And I sat in that church for months. So it must have been about, I'd say seven, probably seven years ago. And it was like, um, I don't know, like it was this idea that I had been living from the outside in my whole life. Like, mm. I had all of this moral teaching. I had all these rules and regulations. I knew how to look like I was doing the right thing. Yeah. And I knew what a huge gap it was between looking like that and actually being like that. Sure. And I, I just decided that, like, I don't want anything. I don't want more knowledge. I don't want more position. I don't want anything if it doesn't come from inside. And it just started overflowing and it started changing things. Like, I was more willing to be a mess in front of people, to be undone, to not have the answers, to be vulnerable, to, to question. Like, I had lots of doubts through that period. And I, I don't think Jesus minded one little bit. Like, I feel like he met me at every step of the way. And he's like, it's okay. I made you like this. I made you um, inquisitive. I, You know, you're, you're not going to check out in your mind. So he just let me just whatever I needed. He just met me. And it was so beautiful. And um, it's gone on to be like, um, I live life so, it's weird because I'm an image consultant and obviously I know all about how to dress up the outside, but in my practice, I make sure that people um, marry up their insides with their outsides so that it's actually an authentic overflow because I believe in living from the inside out so much. And quite often in, in churches, like I'm at odds with some practices and things like that because it just, I feel it in my spirit. I'm like, I don't know, like that doesn't seem relational to me or that doesn't seem like grace and peace I don't I don't feel the fruit of peace in that um and and so I use that as as a guide instead of being told what's what and I I think for many years I had the pastors up on a pedestal because I thought somehow they knew better than me and I trusted that they had heard from God clearer than I had and when I got filled with the Holy Spirit I started to hear God's voice and I started to understand like, oh, this is how God talks to me. Mm. And I realized that he, he was so interested in all the little intricacies of my life and my relationships and my cares. And, yeah, I just think it was more like I'm going to live from the inside out and I don't mind what that looks like. That's powerful. I love it. How, how do you think we find the balance between, you know, being the unique person that God created each and every one of us to be and and the call to holiness because there's there's this tension you know like you know we're all on a journey and god uh, forgives and his blood washed us clean um but you know i've seen people misuse grace and i've seen people embrace it for what it really is um how would you explain the difference uh in in pursuing because we i think we can agree god has has called us to be holy, uh, Ephesians 1 is quite clear on that. But I, I know from my own experience, I can't do it in my own strength. So from your experience, how, how, did you, how do you live in that tension? How do you find that, um, how, you, how you can do that in your context? 
Yeah, well, I think you nailed it in that um, it is attention. So there's a pull on either side. And I think that understanding myself really well has really helped me uh, understand what is intrinsically motivated and what is extrinsically motivated. So in the past, so much of what I did was motivated by an outside pressure. Mm. And, and that was, you know, that's where the performance comes into it. Um, when I'm motivated intrinsically, I can actually sit there, really get really quiet in myself, and I can gauge whether I, something that I am doing is actually for selfish gain or is like my flesh or if it's actually inspired. And I believe in the principle of co-laboring. So I don't think it's like if I empty myself and just let the Holy Spirit tell me exactly what ice cream flavor to choose, you know, then I'll be fine. <laughs> I believe it's a matter of our spirit partnering with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and you come up you come up with new ideas, but I can really gauge myself where it's coming from and whether it's like I'm doing something because I'm trying to fill a hole um, and I'm trying to fill some sort of void myself in my own strength or whether it is actually just out of the freedom of relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, oftentimes there's been a clash between I've felt very um, certain that the Holy Spirit was giving me freedom in an area that somebody else like was observing me doing something and they were critical of. Yeah. Um, and, and I would have to gauge, is this person one of my close few, my mirrors? Is this person, are they, um, you know, do they have that kind of relationship with me and with the Spirit where they can really like reflect back to me truth and love? And if not, I'm, I can just say like, oh, thank you for your concern. Like yeah. I appreciate that. But I really trust my own um, heart, not not my heart heart, um, not my feelings, yeah. but I trust spirit in me. And I, I know the difference of that pull um, because I, I pull myself up, you know, like even in our marriage, quite often I'll, I'll do something out of line that's really just flesh and it'll come from like, you know, my upbringing or something like that. And I'll be feeling insecure and I'll act out mm. and, you know. You half an hour later, I'll come back and be like, I've reflected on the whole thing. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was projecting. I was feeling insecure. I didn't ask for what I needed. I expected you to read my mind, etc. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's something that I've been in the practice of doing for a while. You just got to give me a bit of time. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's 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 a lot of wisdom right there. I love it. Um, what do you you know? You've gone through this journey yourself. You've you, you started to see. Uh, a lot of things for what they really are, I think. And yeah. that's where your passion comes from because the freedom that you're experiencing, you want to see other, especially women, walk in, right? Um, yeah. So what from your ex – I mean, we've talked about the identity thing, um, but from your experience working with, with, with ladies on different levels, what would you say is the most – uh, the thing that comes up the most that, that the average woman is struggling with? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would say I've boiled it down to we all as humans, God has created us to have needs, okay? So we have these human needs. We have a need to be fed, to have a place, warm place to sleep, and our needs, there's higher needs than those to be mm. – um, you know, to be in relationship, to be cared for, to be loved, to um, be respected, to have self-esteem. Um, and as those needs become more um, sophisticated, when the lower needs are met, we can actually um, reach a place where we're actually really thriving, okay? And so what I find is that clothing and appearance and um, outer things, 
they are often used as a band-aid to deal with more basic needs. And a lot of women don't believe that they have permission to have needs. And so they try and pretend like they don't have needs, but they end up being um, like bleeding needs, right? So sure. they need to be accepted. They need to keep up with the Joneses. They mm. need to you know, find some sort of importance and status and get attention through appearance. Um, but that actually is Beauty is actually a legitimate need for people who are have grown in God. God is the creator of beauty. He He gave us the capacity to see in color, right? So it's actually a good thing, but not when it's being used for the wrong purpose. If yeah. it's being used for identity, if it's being used to try and belong or to be accepted or those sorts of things, that's where you get all these circumstances where people are spending beyond their means or they are, you know, um, end up being deceitful um, and lying about you know, credit card debt and what they're doing for the holidays and all the rest of it. So I feel like the first um, thing that I see in women is acknowledging and being given permission to have needs and to get them met in a healthy way and to actually have healthy relationships around them to sew into those needs. Um, so so often we try and go it alone and, and that is just a recipe for disaster Yeah. when we try do things by ourselves. If we don't have a handful of good people around us, we will struggle. And for me, when I was in um, my depression and anxiety, I used to shop. And that was my way of trying to deal with the pain that I was in. But what I realized in reflection was that I was looking for connection. I was actually looking to go out and maybe meet somebody in the shops and have a conversation where I felt known and seen and cared for. And what I was willing to settle for was consumption and it sure. was um, a cheap mission. And I think that women have been um, advertised to and we've been marketed to because, um, you know, marketers and brands, they know. They know. They know. Yeah. 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 Retail therapy. <laughs> That's why they call it that. Not real therapy. Get real therapy. That's yeah. what I say. I have a sozo. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, this, this is, you know, obviously a sensitive question but the things that you're that you're explaining that um you you create a space for women to talk about to be to be allowed certain things that are just actually natural uh, what what i find uh, i guess sad in a way and and we see it here as well is that you know the church of god is supposed to be the place where with relation in relationships with people that you can trust there should be that space um and i think and i and i'm not i don't want to knock the church because that's god's plan for this earth um but there are things that that we seriously need to look at you know if if there are people that are in a church but are struggling with these things and don't find that they can help get help at church but they need to go somewhere else we have to go, well, how can we make that better? How can we fix that? Um, and, and I think there's a great, you know, a great space for what you guys do, for what Aleta does. And, um, but ideally, there should be a space within the church family for that. Uh, would you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that part of the reason for that is that, um, you know, if you have a look at church history, um, there is a lot that has happened in the last 2,000-odd years mm. that has been interpreted by man as best as they can, but really with limited um, understanding of 
the female experience. You know, um, God's word is as true for women as it is for men. And yet um, I've heard that many sermons from male preachers um, on modesty and women should be quiet and all the rest of it. And what I would say is so many of those scriptures have their place. They're rooted in context and um, they the, the people in the first, the Acts Church, had more freedom, I, I saw, than a lot of us do today in the church. Mm. And so I think that, say, words like modesty have been taken out of context. And I really believe modesty is is speaking about the spirit and it's speaking about our egos and it's speaking about that quietness and gentleness and that you you don't have anything to prove Mm. as opposed specifically what you're wearing Mm. um because so it speaks about wealth and you know showing off your wealth um that side of it is never emphasized in sermons it's always like women should make sure they have their legs and chest covered up um and you know so wear a hat always have a hat exactly (laughs) what i what i think we could really do within the church is really um being okay with speaking about some of these messier things mm. that ma- maybe you don't have the absolute answer on, but you invite a discussion where people can engage and that there's space for people to be vulnerable and to bring up their hurts. And and I think that people often get, they fall off the horse one way into, well, I'm a spiritual being, so my soul and body don't matter. Or they go off the other side and they, you know, fall into, um, you know, vanity. Yeah. We need to live in the tension, like you said earlier. Yeah. And and I really feel that when we are um, spiritually alive with with Christ, that it should manifest into soul health. It should manifest into appearance. Yeah. We should be attractive, and I don't mean as the world defines attractive, but we should have a glow and. Um, you know, a beauty about us that radiates. And that's what I really try and um, help my clients find by lining up the insides with the outside. And I don't think that there's any problem uh, with that. I would love to see the church embrace that. And yeah. I already, like, you know, churches that I've spoken in, I've seen the light bulbs going off. People, they're like, wow, yeah. this thing. And I've seen amazing transformation in women um, who really grab a hold of that truth. That is so cool. Yeah, man, I can totally see that as well. Um, I'm going to throw some words at you, and I, I want you to to define them as you understand them, all right? So word word number one is salvation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> salvation is the free gift that we were too dead to actually reach out and grab. Okay. <laughs> and and how... Ha- so how does one get saved? Yeah, so um, in my understanding from Ephesians 2 is that while I was still dead in my sins and transgressions, that I was saved. So um, I don't know how, like if you imagine a dead person laying on a couch, how they reached out to grab hold of that. Mm. It has to be a, It has to be not my doing. Even though it felt like my doing, it felt like I was responding. It was the spirit in me. Um, so I'm just entirely grateful. It's completely changed my life. Sure. Mm. Next word is lordship. What is lordship? Um, lordship. Ooh. The, I, I find these words a little bit um, of a struggle because even though I, um, I absolutely believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, 
I feel like we've always had those words interpreted through earthly eyes, like, you know, kings and um, monarchies and, and things. I actually believe that lordship comes through friendship. I believe that Jesus' reign and rule is relational and that it's not him coercing or manipulating or forcing. He invites and it's that appealing. It's that um, free that we can't help but respond. Good. I like that. Um, identity. Truth. Solid. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> Imago Day. What is that? You, you used that phrase earlier. Is that Latin for in the image of God? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Genesis 3. Genesis 3. And um, I think that's like a really crucial um, biblical passage that I have built my life on because if I was made in the image of God and God is infinitely creative and God is trying, then it helps me acknowledge um, that I not owe it to God, but I get to respond to God out of my own worthiness because I'm made in his image. Mm. And I once heard this cute little story um, about, you know, angels in the delivery room. And it was something like, why do, why would God's angels hang out in hospitals in the delivery room, in the birthing suite? And it's because every time a child is born, it's the only new aspect of God that we get to see, right? Ah. So every holds a unique facet of God's nature and its newness with each human. And that's what gives people their worth. That's what gives us all, um, you know, equality before God is that we, we are his image bearers. So, yeah. Beautiful. Do you, do you think that that word image only refers to the physical or also to our spiritual being? Oh, absolutely internal. I believe that our spirit and our soul are as unique as our physical body. Like our fingerprint is one of a kind. I also believe that our our soul, our personality, our nature and our spirit are also as unique. Um, you know, our spirit is where our spiritual gifts are deposited and they are completely uniquely given to each one of us for a different purpose. And I believe the two are linked. The, our identity is linked with our God-given purpose. And by understanding our um, identity better, we can actually see what God has prepared us for and equipped us for. Yeah. So cool. Because my next word for you is calling. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about callings. I, I am a hugely passionate person. Yes, you may have been able to tell, but before <laughs> all... That passion, what like it floundered around. Um, it wasn't until I really got this um, call from God that things started to line up that I felt really unstoppable. And I've come up against a lot of resistance in a lot of different areas, but it, it absolutely fires me forward because I, I know the call I have over my life. It, I've been prophesied over a number of times confirming that. And and so I'm, I'm doing things that I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have pushed as hard. I wouldn't have been as adamant. I wouldn't have been as bold if I wasn't certain of my calling. Do you, do you think every person has a calling? Yeah, I think we may even have multiple callings. Um, you know, I, you know, we get like different different downloads on them. Like, I I used to run a meetup last year, and it was called the Purpose Project, and I was interviewing people on this exact topic about. What is your purpose? And I went into the purpose project thinking that we have one purpose, singular, 
And I came out um, with a changed view that I believe we have multiple purposes for different seasons and times in our life. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I think there's, there's, for me, what I've discovered is that being married to my wife, that's a calling. Being a father is a calling. Uh, you know, you've mm. got those different levels as well, relational callings in a way. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, and that's where the tension is, isn't it? Like, you know, you have these competing callings and how yeah. do you that like I'm sure um, Aletha would feel the same way is that, you know, being a mother and a wife and then having your own business, these are really, really like tension between yeah. the two and how do, you, how do you live out both of them wholeheartedly? You, firstly, you have to say no to a lot of other things. Um, but that is, that is where, that's where all the action happens in my faith life is like, how do I live out? How do I be the wife that I want to be to my husband? How do I show up for my kids and, you know, be attuned to them and be emotionally available to them? How do I get what I want to get done in my business? And I found often that um, it's a pacing thing for me. I, I've often had a pacing problem where I've tried to go too fast and accomplish too much in, in a shorter time. And the spirit is always just saying to me, there is time, there is provision, there is there is enough for you. And the, the thing that I usually put on hold is, is my business. For, uh, for that reason, when you hear that from the spirit, is to put that a little bit on yeah. hold? Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah, because my kids are growing and changing. And, um, you know, my marriage, that's vital to my family's health. If my marriage isn't thriving, everybody else is impacted by that. Yeah. I can't. I can't live um, a, a effective life if, if my marriage isn't thriving. And so that takes precedence. We often say no to things that people think we should say yes to because we want to concentrate on our um, connection and our, our, our intimacy and our romance. And we prioritize, you know, date night and, and just spending that quality time in the mornings together. But it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely hard to find that time. Uh, but well done. I mean, that's that's that. At least I think the big word, operative operative word, is intentionality. Is knowing it's important yes. and and t together trying to find those moments and create those moments. Um, yes. Last word, faith. What is faith? Mm. Faith is oh, it's a muscle. Faith is. Um, a momentum. Faith is is life. Um, faith is also not certainty. Um, that's one thing that I've really come to, to see is that um, having faith does not mean being certain about everything. Um, often it's my faith that drives me forward into being intrigued, asking questions, being curious, and it always drives me further um, into relationship um, with with God, with people. You know, I I don't know what this is about me, but I often um, have these initial encounters with people where I either clash with people or I get a strong like, I don't know if I really like that person. Like my best friend at the moment, I really didn't like her when I met her. <laughs> and first impression was I don't like this girl. Yeah. And I just didn't her and now she's one of my favorite people in the world but my faith is what what said get to know her better mm. you know lean, lean into relationship like you know see like learn to see her in with new eyes and so yeah I, I think my faith is always driving me forward into relationship and into um, connection 
So good. Um, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you the, the biggest lesson that you've learned that you can tell us today that we can apply for two areas. Number one, marriage. Biggest lesson in marriage. Okay. So I start with that one? Yes. Okay. Um, the biggest lesson that I've learned for marriage is that it's not my partner's job to meet all my needs. That is an absolute wow. killer intimacy mm. that I need a village of people around me who are um, meeting my needs in a healthy way. There are some needs that only your partner can meet. Um, One would hope so. There yeah. Are, <laughs> yeah but there are so many other needs that you can get met in a healthy way by having a healthy um, friendship group, healthy yeah. families, etc. And and with along with that, would I'd say that there needs to be room in your marriage to actually be radically honest to say this is exactly how what I'm going through and what I feel right now. It's not your fault. It's not your job to fix it. Mm. I just need you to sit with me in this and I need you to hear me on this. Because when you give each other permission to be radically honest, and, and it may trigger you, it may, you know, you may <laughs> not like the way it sounds, but radical honesty in a marriage, it breeds love and connection because you are connecting with your partner based on who they actually are, not just the parts that they're showing you so that you'll approve of them. Mm. And even, even in good godly marriages, I see people holding back part of themselves because they're concerned about how that would impact the other person. And I believe that love, especially spirit-filled love, there is room for all of it. Yeah, not done in a way which is attacking or mm. blaming. You, ha you have to own your own stuff. But if there's not room for radical honesty, you know, it's not real intimacy and connection. That's that's amazing. That's that's you. You guys should write a book. I like it. Um, and then the second one is about parenting. Biggest lesson in parenting. I've done this so wrong, so I feel qualified <laughs> to um, comment on this. I think we I, all um, have. We all have those <laughs> moments. Yeah. yeah. Like when I was first a mum, I was so concerned with like trying to get my kids to sleep on time and trying to stick to a schedule and trying to get them to behave right and do what I told them to do and all this. And that was a lot because of my insecurities and I, I wanted to be – you know, doing it right. And I, mm. I didn't know how to do it right. But what I've learned is there is no right. There's only present. And I used to always dream that there was this one day, there was this blank slate of a day where I'd have awesome quality time to just concentrate on everything my kids needed. And I just realized that that never comes. It's always in the mess. It's always in something's happening over here, something's happening over there. And you just need to be attuned to your kids and to be available and just meet them where they are. Um, that is the most powerful thing. Like my eldest son, he is very, like I said, he likes information, but you know, he, he even has behaviors which are kind of like on the spectrum and his behavior has absolutely changed since I started being present, mm. since, since I stopped and I didn't need to fix him. I didn't need to get him to obey. I didn't need to make everything look pretty and right. And like, we were like the perfect family. I just got down on his level and I was like, What's going on for you? How are you feeling? Like sh share with me what's going on the inside and creating that safety for him mm. that has radically changed his 
um, nature and his behavior. And yeah, I just keep trying to do that. And every day is a new opportunity to show up. And sometimes I still miss it. I'll miss, like there was a moment and I miss it and I apologize. I just, I find myself apologizing a lot because I don't think I ever, I don't remember my parents ever apologizing to me as a kid and they have since as adults. And that was so powerful for me. Sure. I want my kids to know I'm human and yeah. I stuff up yeah. and I'm vulnerable. And sometimes I just get it wrong and I need their forgiveness too. Yeah. yeah. And they need to learn from us what it is to repent and to forgive. Otherwise, where are they going to see it? <laughs> so that's a good one. Those are, yeah. those are really great pieces of advice. Thank you so much. Um, as, a, as, a last, as a last question, I would love to for just to hear your heart uh, about a, a big issue, I think, and that is what is your... What's your message to the church, meaning the people who believe in Jesus, the church as a whole, in Australia and here in South Africa and I guess the world? I mean, I think we're all in similar spaces, but, you know, you're there, we're here. So let's talk to the church of Australia and South Africa. What would your message be to the church at this time? Mm. I really feel that the kingdom is relational that everything that that um, Jesus is establishing and um, expanding on the earth is relational. His resources are relational. Mm. Um, opportunities are relational. I mean, I wouldn't be speaking to you today if I hadn't have struck up a relationship with your wife. You know, um, I feel that everything is relation relational. There's a, like a sense of mutual submission in relationship where we can achieve so much more by building relationship with people than we can just by being right and, mm. you know, being being articulate. Um, and relationship, it requires so much more of us. It's more time-consuming. It's messier. There's so many more. You have to be open to being, um, to having your, your inside stretched mm. by somebody else's assistance. Yeah. And I feel, you know, if you can build a relationship with somebody, just say it's somebody outside of the church, building a relationship and actually showing up and caring for them and loving on them and being present in their life, it will reap like a hundredfold compared to, you know, standing on a corner and just um, speaking, um, you know, about end times. If you can show up in someone's life and demonstrate to them what it looks like to have your heart transformed and your, your relationships transformed, it will then impact hundreds of other people. Um, I think relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Uh, I like that line, currency of the kingdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Um, just a, maybe as a last thought, uh, we've spoken about many things. You've made some really good points. Um, maybe there's people listening right now, especially some ladies uh, that – that want to go, okay, this is great. This sounds awesome. I want to change. I want to be like Emma, you know, and walk healthy. Um, what's the first step? What do they practically, what can they practically do? And uh, yeah, how, how do they take the first step into being the, the full healthy version of themselves? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I always tell, um, I do group coaching and I do mindset and image coaching and I say to them, you know, if you're trying to peg down a tarpaulin in the wind, right, which which corner of the top do you peg down first? And the answer is any peg, right? <laughs> 
everyone that you peg down, it gets easier and easier and easier. So if you um, take back control of your life and your schedule, um, intentionality, so setting aside time for things, um, when we come at things with a plan or with an intention, it sets us up to win. So, you know, you can break the cycle um, I've had people come to me and get their colors done and it starts the breaking of the cycles. I've had other people come and do really deep like mindset coaching and that um, moves into changing um, daily behaviors, changing eating habits, changing the way that they um, dress themselves. But it has to be both. It can't just be one or the other. You have to actually do things on the inside and on the outside. It has to be a mindset shift. You have to change the way that we see ourselves. And I think, um, you know, Bill Johnson says it so beautifully. He said, we can't afford to have a thought about ourselves that God doesn't have of us. So like the person that you were speaking to, if you're sitting there right now and you have thoughts about yourself that don't marry up with the word of God, mm. well, know that you're not condemned. Know that you're invited into this special place where you're loved and cared for um, and valued. And it's through that relationship, through that value that you can make a change. And momentum breeds momentum. So make one small change. Maybe it's five minutes a day. You do some, you know, quiet, deep breathing and you, um, you know, you pray. That is going to give you space to then speak to your kids differently. You know, getting up five minutes earlier is going to change the way that you then start your day in peace rather than chaos. So small changes um, can be really helpful. But I'd also say find somebody who's walked that journey before you. Find somebody who's actually walked it out and mapped it out because not many people do. I think, you know, less than 2% of the population are what Maslow would have called self-actualized, which means that you're reaching your highest potential and mm. thriving. Um, and think about 2% of the population and, and then think about the size of the church. It's not a large proportion of people who have both faith and um, external health, you know. So I would be looking at finding somebody who has walked that journey ahead of you and just building a relationship with them and uh, asking, you know, can I learn from you? Can I glean from you? What did you do? And then just stepping it out. Like I'm a massive believer in always having a mentor and be mentoring someone. I think we always need that. We always need someone ahead of us who can help us reach that next stage and someone behind us so we can appreciate the journey and how far we've come. It gives us a great sense of worth that our story matters. What mm. we have through matters. And there is teachable moments in that for somebody else. Um, yeah. So good. Wow. Emma, that's been incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, as, a, as a final thing today, would you please pray for those listening that the, the things we discussed today will will just drop deep in their spirits and and that they will just find the, just hear the voice of God, feel the, the unction of the spirit to actually start walking in this truth. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. Oh, Abba Father, I just thank you so much that our first identity is as your children. And as we just rest in that, as we just sit in that knowing that we are your children and without doing anything, you are already so delighted in us and you crave to spend time with us and you you just watch us 
and you see our facial features, you see our heart, you see every little nuance um, about us Mm. and you delight Mm. in it. I just thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray against the lies of the enemy. I pray against those strongholds which are built up brick by brick in the mind, thought by thought, um, which seek to keep people from the, the truth and the freedom that is living life in the spirit, that is thriving in um, your God-given identity and allowing that identity to actually overflow into a healthy um, soul and physical life. Lord God, I pray for women who who think that they are unworthy. I pray for women who um, who look at their bodies in the mirror and just see disgust. I pray against the enemy's um, lies and attacks on their image. Lord God, I pray for a breaking of generational curses. Mm. I pray for words spoken over people that people were not this enough or not that enough or they were deficient in some way. I pray against those lies and I just replace them with the words of the Holy Spirit which say that you are my perfection. You are mine. Lord God, I just thank you that when we surrender our right to decide on who we think we are, that you give us something so much better, that you whisper to us the love letters, you whisper to us those thoughts, those delights you have in us. And when we begin to trust your mirror instead of the world's mirror, that we would start to have eyes, that we would retrain our eyes to see the beauty and the uniqueness and that there is no accident in your life, that you are not looking the way you look by accident, that you are not wired the way you are by accident. There is a purpose in that, that God has equipped you for a purpose that nobody else can fulfill but you. And all he's waiting on is for you to surrender the things that you have to him and allow him to shape them, allow him to show you what they're for. Lord God, I just, um, I release the Holy Spirit over every ear that hears this. Mm. You are worthy, Mm. you are loved, you are holy, and you are unique. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And I just want to pray for you as well. And everyone listening can just join in. Lord, I thank you so much for Emma, for her husband, Dan, for their marriage, for their beautiful children, for the calling on her life and the, the work that she does. We just pray today together that that your blessing on their lives, that your favor upon their lives will just keep increasing, that it will go from strength to strength and glory to glory. And we pray, Lord, that you will give her more favor and open up more doors, increase her influence and her, her, her sphere of influence as she moves forward and let more people get in touch with her and in that way get in touch with you so that they can live in the freedom that you have for them. We pray uh, for your guidance, your wisdom, and you're leading as they go, and for your protection, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Guys, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you. That was that's been so much fun and so amazing. Uh, guys, you can see on the screen uh, her. Well, if I go there, you can see her website, but it's also in the description below in the in the post. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram. She's doing some amazing webinars that's coming up, and th- which is cool. You can wherever you are, you can join in. I'm sure. Uh, so please go follow and support and be part of that. And if you're that side of the world, you know maybe you can make a make an appointment <laughs> um, in person. So Emma, thank you so much. God bless you. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
too. Thank you. Just hang on there a sec. I'm just going to greet the people here. Wow, what a great day. What a great session. Uh, so thankful for, uh, for Emma and the amazing chat we had. If you guys were blessed by that, please give us a thumbs up, a high five. Let us know. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback or if that really had an impact on your life, please let us know. And, uh, and please, as I said, go follow those links and get in touch with Emma. It'll be really cool if you can do that. Uh, just a quick reminder from our side that you can join my wife and my marriage seminar starting on the 1st of August. Uh, the link is it's in the description as well for Quicket. And you can also still be part of the music video for my new song, Our Nation Belongs to God. And you can find the link to, to the song and the lyrics there as well. Guys, thank you so much for being part of Love Unlocks Live Sessions. Remember, this is also available as a podcast on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. So go check it out and uh, please share. We'd love to get these messages, these words out to as many people as possible. On that note, I want to say thank you. God bless you and have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you.